Welcome into Winging It, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your host, Annie Finberg, joined by my co-host, number 15, Mr. Vince Carter. VC's in the house. And we have a special double episode coming to you guys featuring Atlanta Hawks head coach Lloyd Pierce and broadcaster Maria Taylor. We wanted to let you know before this starts that we recorded these episodes a few weeks ago. One of them was before we had really heard much about the George Floyd case, and then that was coaches, and then Maria's was um, recently when some news updates were coming out about that. And then on top of that, before any NBA news was announced. So we wanted to give you guys this episode just to hear exactly what we were thinking at the time, just our thoughts in the moment without editing any of that. So sit back, relax, and here is Coach Lloyd Pierce. And we have a very special guest tonight, and that is Atlanta Hawks head coach, Mr. Lloyd Pierce. I wouldn't call myself special, but hello. I think you're special. <laughs> it's important, man. You're, you're an important person right now for a lot of reasons. All good. Very important guy. How's it going, LP? I haven't seen you since, I don't think since March 11th, maybe on a few of those Zoom videos, but what you been up to? A whole lot of nothing and a whole lot of everything, to be honest with you. You know, I think we're all at home, and when you're home... I consider it nothing just because it's it's home and when you're home it's it's the comfort but uh as we all know I got a baby girl and you know it's just spending the days in the pool walking the neighborhood out in the driveway you know trying that's our rotation right now take a lap around the block play football baseball or basketball in the driveway or just go in the back and swim uh, I've asked every every guest we've had since uh, this pandemic, but do you find that you're busier now? I mean, obviously, you you know your job with your job and your role and your your preparation, you're busy. But now that you're at home, you're trying to stay busy. Plus, do all of the things you still have to do on your in your job. Do you find that you're busy? Yeah, I'm I'm busier in a way that. I didn't have to be busy before to do meetings and to have meetings and to organize meetings and to uh, make guest appearances in different people's meeting. Uh, I'm a lot busier on Zoom and I'm a lot busier on the phone than I, I'm never on the phone throughout the course of the season. I don't, I don't talk to anybody on the phone. I text and I read messages and then I decide when I'm going to respond. Now it's a little bit different. There's a schedule and I'm busier and I'm busier because I'm home more often and having to do the household stuff. Like I've, I've planted in the front of the house. I'm doing some sort of grass project in the backyard. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> um, Trial and error. <laughs> really, yeah. Really. I mean, we have a we have a landscaping company that's coming in about six in about two weeks now, and so I decided about a month ago that I was just going to mess around in the backyard. If it works, it works. If not, they're, they're coming anyway. <laughs> coming anyway, so it it doesn't matter. Um, but I've 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 found myself. I had a green egg. I'm grilling often. Um, you know, little stuff like that. I'd never, I never. I'm I'm the least handyman person you'll ever meet. So to actually be in the yard and to be out there grilling and doing stuff like that, uh, I've found ways to be busy. So let's get into the good stuff. Obviously, a lot going on right now, being the head coach of the Hawks. The facility opened a couple weeks ago, I believe. So just talk to us about how that's been going. And you've had, what is it, four guys in at a time and who you guys have been seeing. And have you been allowed to be there? I'm like Vince. Me and Vince have been at the house. 
I'm not allowed to go in and Vince is choosing not to go in. Yeah, man. <laughs> For a lot of reasons. <laughs> For a lot of reasons, I'm not yeah. allowed to go in. So, right. you know, it's it's been great for the guys that are able to go in. It's been great uh, just in the sense that they have a gym. Um, basketball was taken away. They're able to just go in. And, and literally, they're just going in and shooting. I think this week we opened up to where they can lift weights and, and both are in 45-minute increments. but when you can't shoot and you can't play basketball and you can't work out and then finally something is available, it's a great feeling. Now, beyond that, there's so many limitations in terms of just the comfort of being in a gym. They're not hanging out and sitting around and being able to converse with each other. They're literally walking in the gym, you know, disinfecting everything, getting through a workout and then taking off. So, you know, it's baby steps. It's a necessary baby steps, but, um, you know, not much for me. I, I'm not allowed. I'm not permitted into the gym. And our assistant coaches and video guys, they're the ones that are conducting the workouts, which, you know, for them as well, mentally, it's its getting them out of the house and giving them some activity. Uh, and that's all we can ask for at this point right now until we get some further information. And LP, I was saying to that, uh, we talked about it a couple a couple of weeks ago. I said with that, with this, what this is doing, particularly for young guys who maybe may not have families and those type of responsibilities when you're sitting in a uh, apartment looking at four walls by yourself you know, you're dying to get out and sometimes a bad decision can be made going in the public and just because you feel like you have to be prepared and this is the way to kind of protect our our uh, the younger generation if you would by putting them in the gym so i i you're spot on i had this debate with someone and you know i said i'm I said, honestly, what am I to complain about? I got three levels in my house. We got a backyard with a pool. You know, pandemic is 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 unfortunate, but it's not like I'm struggling right now. And and what my thoughts and the reason why we were debating, I said, I can't explain to someone else how someone who's trapped in a four-wall apartment or someone who has a one-bedroom apartment or someone who's living by themselves. I got my daughter and my wife. Someone that's just flat out living by themselves is just bored out of their mind trying to figure out, I'm going to go crazy if I don't get out of this apartment. And like you said, when you get out of the apartment, then you're just like, I just want to go to the park. And then I just want to go to, and then I just want to, I, I drove, I go and get coffee every morning and I take my daughter with me. And then I just cruise. I just, my normalcy is to drive around for an additional 25 minutes. We don't get out of the car. We don't do anything. I drove by Lennox today. Think about this. I drove by Linux. I didn't realize the mall is open. And I just saw how many cars were in the parking lot. And I drove into Linux and I just circled back and left. Nike had a line to get into it. In terms of the mall, the mall is open. It was so, it was mind blowing to me that that's where, you know, some people are. I'm not there. That's where some people are. And so, you know, for the people that are living by themselves, that are, you know, in an apartment and, you know, don't have space outside of that apartment. I, I can't explain. I can't, I can't even rationalize what they're going through. So for us to open up the facility just to have a break from the, their norm and just get out, get some basketball, even though it's 40 minutes and it's pretty restricted and limited, it has to feel great. Dame said that he would go, but he would not play if they could not be in playoff contention. Um, I believe they were ninth in the West before this happened. So obviously they're right there on the bubble. Coach, what do you think about that comment? The biggest thing is that there was this whole situation is out of everybody's control. 
and opportunity to play again is first and foremost. And I think we're all looking forward to that. Now, can we get to 82 games? Probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense and probably not going to happen. And to get back and play and have an opportunity is, is, is better than not at all. And that's how I look at it. And I'm not in that situation. We're not three and a half games back as Portland and New Orleans and whoever the other team is that's fighting for that spot. And maybe they needed all 15 games and they were counting on it, but this is adversity. This is what happens. Things happen. And, and we've, we've experienced something that has, has had a tremendous change in, in normalcy for us. So, you know, I, I think this is where, and, and they say sports are, are tremendous for uplifting the spirit of our people, of all people during this pandemic. To me, to show the other side, to show that it's not worth it, or we don't want to take advantage of the opportunity. Considering all things are safe, considering everything is safe for everyone, the opportunity to uplift, to provide, to get back and compete, and to be a team. To me, the one thing I'm looking forward to the most is an opportunity to get all our guys together in a very probably non-distracted place because we don't have much, um, because we can grow as a team. And so it's been taken away to get it back. You know, it's, it's almost, I look at it, and this is my opinion, I look at it, it's a privilege if we get the opportunity to come back and resume the season and uplift other people because that's what we do all the time. People look to what we do and watch what we do all the time. Um, so I, I just have a hard time with the comment because, you know, I want to get back resume normalcy. I think we all want to get back to normalcy. And if this is one of the steps that it takes to get people feeling like things will get better, uh, I want to be a part of that. And for me, I feel like, you know, like you said, uh, we're deemed as a, an essential asset to the world right now. Well, we, we make people feel happy and kind of within two hours of our play in two or three hours to forget about everything else that's going on. Uh, at the same time, I, 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 I don't want to speak for him. Uh, but I, I, I can imagine what he's thinking is if you're going to say, uh, we're just going to say the top eight teams currently play. And, and it goes back to what you said, LP, as far as that they feel like, Hey, we have 15 games left. We might be able to, to go on a hot streak and end up in the eighth, seventh spot. So he wants that they, that he wants that opportunity. Their, their team feel like they're good enough to where they can make a run. So I understand that as well. So, I mean, it's just, I, I think that's what's, what it's going to do. Uh, uh, it's just going to bring different emotions from players because depending on what spot you're in, because if you look at a team like us, like if it was a normal season at the end of our 82nd game, we're finished. But if you give us a chance to play in the tournament, you've just given us new life. And then there's other teams who are like, hey, we're, we're right there. They should feel like we probably should not be in and it should be the first 10, 12. I mean, we don't know that. So it's going to be a lot of people that it's going to be a lot of feathers ruffled is what I'm saying. Coach, for you, what's been the biggest challenge keeping this team together when you're forced to be apart? I know you guys have been doing the Zoom calls, but I can imagine, especially having such a young team, um, it could be harder than others to really keep that cohesion. Just because everybody's home, that doesn't mean everybody wants to. I'm not a phone person. And as you're trying to navigate through your days, you're just trying to figure out what that looks like. 
you know, just in general, there's days that go by where it's like, you know, is it Saturday? Is it Tuesday? Either way, I need to figure out how to get through the day. And I need to do it. That's comforting for me. Um, so trying to reach out to our players and stay current, but not really having a whole lot to say. Um, I'm not going to call a guy falsely and just sit on the phone with them. And I think it's unrealistic to do that. But I also think it's very challenging to uh, engage during this time on a consistent basis. So we've, we spread our meetings out. We've had guests come on the meetings. We've had debates about the last dance just to keep it fun and fresh. And the assistant coaches have come up with creative ideas throughout. But other than getting on the meeting and just showing up, there really hasn't been a whole lot of planning that goes into it. Uh, we just want to keep the guys engaged, be able to connect on a consistent basis and leave it at that. I think it, I think it would be false to pretend as if we can do basketball via Zoom every single day or every other day or too many times during the week. You know, basketball is taken away from us. We got to figure out how to navigate, and that's how we approach it, something different than basketball to stay engaged. And I'll add to that that you know what we've done in in uh, to your credit we we've we've changed it up we just make it different you know sometimes we come in the calls uh, we break into smaller groups and we just have conversation about anything you know life and and awareness and you know some some it depends on the coach you get the some of the <laughs> some of the Zoom calls are funnier than others you know but they're straightforward and it's it's being that we have a young team you know you want to continue to teach and learn. Uh, well, teach and help them learn just different aspects. Now you're not just teaching basketball. You, you, now it's more about life and how survival and decision making and, and being smart about, you know, this idle time. And, and, and it's been good because, you know, I've been on a couple of calls and we, we change it up. So you get different young guys who are uh, going through different things in their lives and, uh, who really don't know much, you know, and they learn as we're together and we experience it together. Now you, you're talking about a guy who's sitting at home and, video gaming and doing whatever social media all day. And we don't have those same conversations all the time. So they've, they've been, the small groups and the big groups have been good for just, just awareness in itself. I think Vince, I was, when I was coaching in Cleveland, my first three years, we were, we were on a road trip. We we're playing in Memphis. I'll never forget this. We're playing in Memphis and, and Melvin coach Melvin Hunt was on the staff. Chris Kent was on the staff. We had shoot around and then we sat at the brunch in the hotel at the Westin, sat in the brunch, and there were seven players, me and Melvin, at the table. Maybe Gent might have been there. We sat there from, let's say, brunch is 11.30 to games at 7, first bus is 4. I think we got up at 3.30. We got off, we got out of the brunch room at 3.30. Guys were like, oh, shoot, I got to go get ready for the first bus. And the reason being, we started talking and we started talking about, you know, life and dating at that time, you know, LeBron was on the team. Daniel Gibson was there. Delante was there. Uh, I believe Mo Williams was sitting there. Uh, Jawah Williams was there. We're sitting at the table and none of those guys at that time were married They're single dudes. You know, they're got the girls, but none of them are kids and, and families. And we were talking about the double standards of dating. What I'm getting, my point is, we were so engaged all the time as a staff and as players that when practice ended, you know you could sit with a guy and just talk for hours on end. And that was the, that was the real, real exception because it was game day. And I had never 
And we did that often. And so for me during this time, you know, just to stay connected is kind of that first step. But the real goal is to be able to get a group that feels like they can just engage in conversation like that. It has nothing to do with basketball. It takes a life of its own and just keeps going. And every day you feel like, I got a new topic. Let's sit around. I'm curious about your thoughts. Because when you do that, that's how you grow. You, you start growing. You feel comfortable. You feel comfortable speaking your mind. And what a young team has been talked about, you know, we have a lot of guys that are learning how to use their voice and aren't willing to say what they really want to say or act how they really want to act. Uh, when you get to that point, the world in the NBA just changes. It really does. And you remember, Andy, they, you, somebody asked on, on, on one of our uh, episodes or asked me about uh, the difference and bridging the gap for me. I'm fortunate enough to be, to be the same age or close to the same age as the coaching staff. But at the same time, our conversations, just like you said, we've had some conversation. Like, I, I'm not going to say any names. I'm still not going to say any names. But you remember this because you were there. Somebody on our team said that uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was funnier than Martin. We should say the name. That's what we should do. We do should it. Put, we should put him on full blast. Put him on blast. Oh, okay. That's fine. I'll leave it to you. <laughs> I didn't say, I never said everybody was like, who, who, who? It, it started a conversation, but that's, that's the, the things. I mean, just the difference. And, you know, obviously we're, I'm 20 years removed, uh, you know, older than half of these guys on the team. And, but at the same time, when we have those debates, like, you know, I go from me <laughs> at 40 something versus everybody who's in their twenties. And then when we get to the meetings now, I'm like with the coaching staff, like, all right, say that again. <laughs> you don't know who, what is like, you know, it's just, it's just pretty cool for it. But that's why we did the day in the A. I was ear hustling. I just overheard whoever started the conversation about outcasts and the lack of respect. You know that, who that was. Yeah. I, I, but the <laughs> lack of respect side. Right. Whoever, oh yeah. 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 Oh, Oh yeah. 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 You know, some of the young guys that just couldn't show the proper amount of respect. And I said, you know, I love being in Atlanta. I, I think Atlanta is a great city. I love being here because um, I understand the city. I understand my sister used to live here. But when I heard that, I said, these young guys are potentially going to be here for a long period of time. For them to just walk around this city where everyone is close entertainers, the actors, the everybody, everybody's close. Everybody loves being connected to Atlanta. Once you, once you're from here or once you get here for our young guys to not really get that or buy into that, starting with outcast from a musical standpoint, I was like, we have painful. to do something that is painful. painful. And I, <laughs> I'm trying to help them navigate their careers here in the city of Atlanta. Cause if right. you, if you're throwing blast for me, outcast way here in the city it ain't gonna end well that's not a good that's not a good start so that was that was really kind of the reasoning behind it then it just took a different life you know it's you know the education of martin luther king understand that there's a center here but understand the history of what he was able to do here is, is really and truly important um mainly because if you're going to be here for a while get connected mm -hmm. and, and get to know the city but you know when, when you're young you said something in the in the coaches clinic you know, learn a lot, learn a little bit about a lot, a lot of things. Of things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the city of Atlanta, there's a lot of things to learn about. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of potential um, to be connected in so many different ways. But you got you got to you got to dive into it. Uh, Vince, do you want to put that person on blast or no? What you think? LP, what you think? Was it Trey? 
No, no I wasn't Trey. <laughs> you know what? To Trey's credit, and, and Trey's kind of old school with his music. Uh, surprisingly oh, yeah, I've, so. I've seen and it on Trey his talks, Instagram. Trey talks about his dad, you know, and, and, and the influence that he had. And you always can tell uh, by the parents. But he always talks about his dad. You think about when in Trey's rookie year, we had the rookie talent show and he does new edition. Can you see the rain? Right, right. Um, so I, I give Trey a ton of credit because he's all he's down with the old school stuff. He's, yeah, for sure. He had one of the days he was able to select music. He ended up putting on some R&B, some 90s R&B. So, yeah, he has a somewhat old soul. Yeah, he's all good there. We like to talk about our struggles on this show. It's something that I don't want to skip over with what you've been going through these past couple of years with the team. Obviously, you've had a lot of successes and failures and everything in between. But when things get hard for you with the team and people are on Twitter, you know, saying whatever they say about you, um, how do you kind of stay focused on the goal and, you know, what you're there to do? Don't, not, wait, don't be saying what you say to us now. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, I, I have such a different perspective on things I can't control. Um, probably not different. I shouldn't say different. It doesn't bother me one bit. It doesn't bother me. I try and explain it. Vince, you're in there. I try and explain mm-hmm. it. I'll take the hit. I don't mind. It, it's, you know, if no matter what we do, it's going to be criticized for one. And you need to understand that. Uh, I almost welcome. I love. You I hear like that, Annie? Y- yes, Sorry I to cut that. you off. You hear that, Annie? <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Sorry. I welcome the criticism because, and I like, I actually like to interact with people that criticize um, sarcastically and selfishly because, you know, you know, why did you, well, what would you have done? What, what's your thought? What did you think we were doing on that play? You know, I, I love barbershop talk and I love doing that with people that come up. Like I go to the season ticket holder events and I allow people to ask me the questions they want to ask. And then I give them the answer that I'm going to give them. So if you ask me, I'm going to give you the answer. But understand, it isn't just like, you know, why didn't you play him then? When should I have played him? Or when should I have taken him out? Or when should I have kept him in? Or who should I have played then? You know, it's easy to, it's easy to question what's the solution. I'm all, my job is to provide solutions, not, not figure out how to just roll the dice and do all of that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own up to, man, that was a bad play. That's a shitty play I just drew up. Or probably should have kept them out there a little bit longer or whatever the case may be. I'll own up to that. That that just comes with sport. Loss comes with sport. Injury comes with sport. All of those things are part of it. And then the the, the talking, the criticism that comes with sport. So again, it's a privilege. There's 30 jobs in the NBA and I got one of them. I'm not failing. I haven't felt I'm all right. Um, And with that 30, the criticism is there. It, it was criticism when they hired me. So I hadn't even done anything yet. I was already criticized. I can't control that. It's no big deal. Why would my mind don't worry about it? Bars. I like that LP. I like that Bars. a lot. That was Atlanta Hawks coach Lloyd Pierce. Uh, Before we get into Maria Taylor, I want to remind people that living in Atlanta or really anywhere, June 9th, uh, the polls are open and it is so important for you to go out and vote. Go online, check out to see what date your voting polls are open. It's so important right now. Everything that we're going through as a country uh, for you to go out there. Doesn't matter if you have one follower on Instagram. If you don't even have an Instagram, you must use your voice now. It's so important to go out there. Your your vote matters. Your vote really matters. Um, You know, for you having your thoughts and your feelings about what's going on in this world, your vote starts the movement. 
And anyone who feels like they're not able to help, now is the time. Now's your time to step up and, and vote to make some change in our country. So that being said, here is Maria Taylor. And we are joined by the lovely and talented analyst, host, and reporter for ESPN, ABC, SEC Network, and a lot more, Maria Taylor. What's up, gang? Good to be here with you. Yes, thank you. Thanks for coming on. You do it all. That's impressive. No, I don't do it all. No, seriously. But uh, you know, I'll start off like by asking how how are you able to balance balance them all and not get just caught in a whirlwind sometimes? Because like you know, if you're in a groove of let's say calling college football and then all of a sudden you're calling college basketball, like I mean, (laughs) I know it's easy to focus in, but how are you able to kind of just lock in and and get it right all the time? I mean, I don't get it right all the time, but I will say that a lot of it revolves around kind of planning out your week. So for me, I know that on, you know, certain Thursdays, I'm going to have to be locked in by then I need to be completely locked in on college football. I need to have had all of my conversations with players, all the coaches. If I'm going to talk to your mom or your teacher, your elementary school teacher, whatever story I'm trying to line up, I need to have everything that I need for football by Thursday. Cause that's when I start traveling. I mean, really the hardest thing I've ever done was this past season in trying to juggle college football with NBA because it was a new sport for me. You know what I mean? So everything else has seemed to work seamlessly. Um, doing women's basketball at the same time that I'm doing college basketball or doing women's basketball, college basketball, and college football. That works for me because I'm so used to it. But anytime you throw in a new sport or kind of a new industry, like things get a little more complicated. And like Vince said, Maria, I feel like I'm watching NBA on whatever night of the week it is, Friday, Saturday, I don't know. And then I wake up the next morning and I'm watching college football and I see you again. And I'm like, she was, I swear she was just doing this. So it's very impressive that you're able to go from one to the other. Do you ever feel like you're going to mix up the verbiage? I know you're so familiar with every sport, but like, you know, do they ever come together? Oh, 100%. I'm like, um, the Athletic Association with the Timberwolves. And I'm like, Nope, that's not (laughs) organization, (laughs) but it's, it's easy to get that kind of stuff, at least in your mind confused, you know, you hope that it doesn't make it to the air, but I did try to spend a lot of time. And for me, if I write something down for the most part, I can remember it. So I knew that I had to take the time to write down every single team. I had to write down the head coaches, the GMs, or just like maybe the top three players and just, commit that to memory. And that's important for me. And then allow my college football to just be, we've been here before, we've done it before. You might not have to dedicate as much time to it, stay on top of it. But obviously your new focus is about to be kind of the NBA. But I mean, I've had some crazy weeks where we're doing the Heisman and we're doing Army Navy and we're doing the college football awards and we still have NBA countdown on Fridays. And you're kind of just juggling and trying to make it from one thing to the next. And you got to give yourself a little bit of grace. I always tell people that like, no one expects you to be perfect. I expect myself to be sometimes. And I just, I have to give myself grace and allow myself to have a bad report or have a bad show and bounce back from that and be okay with the next game or event I got to cover. I can imagine what your weeks look like as far as preparation. Uh, I mean, listening to you talk about how you prep and, and prepare, particularly interviews, like you said, with parents and this, that, and forth in college basketball uh, or college sports in general. And then obviously still being prepped and ready for the NBA. And like I said, it's new. So it's more studying and preparation because it's new to you. And I think that's what I think is impressive, you know, but I, I guess once you're in your wheelhouse, like you said, college football, 
you know what you know. And obviously when the new freshmen come in or if there's new transfers, but nevertheless, it's a little easier. Yeah. Is that correct? And I think part of it too is, um, you, you know how it is. Like you get to start carrying a little name cachet or whatever. So when you start reaching out to the schools and you're requesting a certain type of interview or you're requesting a certain type of, you know, in-depth focus into a, a school or whatever, they instantly will give it to you where I'm like the new kid on the block in the NBA. Like ain't nobody worried about what I'm trying to do. It's like, well, you're like, are you someone else on NBA countdown? Who cares? <laughs> you know? So it's about building that credibility again, building that respect in a place that I haven't been before. That is something new and that's interesting. Um, but yeah, for sure. Like I feel, I feel like it just requires a little more effort. It requires a lot more work, but I also, I love the challenge because honestly, and you guys probably know about this sometimes, like you do something and you repeat it over and over again. I've been in college football since I think 2011 and it's great, but you're ready for a new challenge. You want to add something onto your plate. And it's been, and it's also been fun to like be on the sidelines of a Michigan game or something and coaches coming up to you like, Hey, I watched you on countdown. Like, I'm so happy you're doing NBA too. And seeing the crossover and the effect that that has and seeing who is a fan of college football that watches NBA too, or vice versa, NBA fans, college football fans. Like, I think that's been really cool to see happen. Well, I mean, I can imagine because you're like, like, like Andy said, like one night you're college football or whatever, or NBA and the next night you're college football. So yes, that's like, I see. I just saw you, and then now you're. So I think it's just cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I would. Literally, I think I missed like five college game days this year, and it was literally because I mean our countdowns were on Friday night, so there were times when my flight, I just couldn't get a flight out early enough from New York to get to wherever it was. So I remember one time flying to Detroit, and I still landed in time to like be there for college game day. And so much of me was like, I just want to go to the show and like still do the show, but I wasn't written into the rundown. But I'm still there to do that night game, you know. And I think it was so important to not give up. Just because I couldn't make game day, I still need to be at the game. You know what I mean? Like committing my time to making sure that I'm being fair to both of the sports, it was important. You know what I mean? But again, when that crossover was happening, it was crazy. So I was like happy when Christmas was here. I was happy when we were like SEC, ACC championship time. That's when the break happens. Playoffs are coming. And then, you know, you're just rolling in the NBA season. Let me ask you this. I asked pretty much since this pandemic, I've asked every guest, do you find yourself busier now? Yeah, I mean, I just think well, I, you probably felt like you were busy before sure. and just going, going, going. But do you find yourself busier now and more things to do uh, or have to have to get done now that yeah. you're, you're we're in this pandemic? Honestly, it's so funny you say that because I swear leading all the way up to the draft. I'm like, I am exhausted. Like we were on Zoom calls. I mean, you're, you're strategizing. First of all, how are we going to make this look? I was doing an interview or two or three per day, still working on all of our, you know, NBA countdown shows that we're still doing twice a week. We are still doing throwback college football games, which are Zoom shows where we're getting interviews with people. And because it's scheduled, so, you know, you know, there's different schedules for everyone. So it's like, you might have a 30 minute block here, but you need to be ready to do something else in an hour or something like that. So in that way, for sure. And for me, I, my travel time is like relaxed time. I don't do anything when I travel. And so that doesn't really exist, right? When we're working from home and the expectation is you're available and you're around, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, I can't be in the air. I can't have just landed in LA and need a day or whatever. That's not an option. You talked about doing a lot of Instagram lives and especially around the NFL draft. You had a ton of collegiate athletes come on there. When you've been talking to them, like what's the consensus around? I mean, I guess these guys are going to the NFL draft. Have you had anyone on that's going back or hoping to go back to school? That's, you know, do they know what's going on? It's interesting. I've, I've talked to a couple of players that are going back to campus and I was just talking to, I mean, obviously being in Georgia and going to Georgia about their process. 
And, you know, they're looking forward to having their student athletes back on campus. They've like created what their COVID testing policy is going to look like, what their quarantine policy is going to look like. But and every single person that I talk to, it's like, no, 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 we're going to have football when we get back. And even when I was talking to the NFL, you know, draftees, a lot of them, they weren't working out in gyms, but they had their trainer. You know, a lot of times they were still working with a nutritionist and they had gone through the same thing. Like, here's the testing that we're going to go through. Maybe they're not staying at their parents' house anymore because a couple of people are in contact with them a little bit more. So they just want to be safe. Um, but a lot of them were trying to find whatever the way, what it looks like to stay in shape as a professional athlete because they too knew that the season was coming. So it's been interesting to see. And then some of them were like, I talked to Jalen Hurts and he was just at home. Like he was showing me his garage gym where he worked out when he was in high school. And like, this is where my mom marked off my height. And this is how tall I was when I was 12. Like you saw that side of people too, which is interesting. Yeah. I think that's an interesting process because I mean, obviously when you, you're, you're waiting for the day of the draft and obviously you're waiting for that time, that day to report to that professional team, you're prepared. So you go to the field or you go to the gym or you go wherever you go to, to get ready. And it's none of that. So it's, I think it's going to be an interesting year uh, to watch and just see who, who, I mean, current professional players, as well as the draftees, how they prepare, prepare themselves. And are they fooling themselves saying, yeah, I'm really getting my work in and you know, you're not. So that's just one thing I've had. I had with LP, I talked with coach about like, it'll be interesting to see the professional players, particularly the young guys, because a lot of them don't know how to prepare for professional sports. It's a little different. And it's to see how these guys survive. I think too, like, I wonder sometimes if COVID um, indirectly will level the playing field, because in a lot of ways, there's some athletes that when you, even when you get to college, you know, when you know you're good and you don't, you don't have to work very hard. And if you miss that summer before where they break you, you know, and when you do show up to campus, it's just like, okay, I got to implement you. I got to put you in. I got to build your confidence, make you feel comfortable running X, Y, and Z plays. Like, I do wonder what effect that will have because you're missing a, you're missing a portion that is absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. Yes. You know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. is an important part of sport that you, mm-hmm. you're going to miss out on. So I do wonder what effect that might have too. Yeah. Because you always have those late, late bloomers, late, late developers and guys who just don't get it, whatever that is, it maybe uh, uh, from the in, from the beginning and it takes a while. So now like the leveling, the playing field, I, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see in all sports, really. You said that UGA or someone at UGA, you know, they know their whole plan. Is there anything that they shared with you that you can share with us? Just like teams in general, how they're preparing to come back? Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway and all the teams that I talk to is the, the real conversations that they're having to have with their student athletes about okay, when we say that you can't have 10 people in your dorm, like we mean this, you know what I mean? When we say you need to just be with your roommate all the time, unless you are in the gym and we're going to have you guys space and social distancing, like how can we police that? I think that is the biggest concern right now, finding ways to police, making sure that when the kids are out of sight and out of mind, that they're still making the right decisions. Um, but I do believe, I mean, there is no place. And I'm again, I'm still getting indoctrinated to professional sports, but there's no expense spared when it comes to high tier division one football. And if, and they've been working on this since March, you know what I mean? So they are going to make sure that they have all every single policy in place, every single thing they could possibly need to make sure that everything goes off without a hitch, that the season can still happen. And even, I mean, the AD at Ohio state was saying, is like, you know, we could still put 30, 20 to 30,000 people in the stadium and make it work. So I don't even think it's going to be a situation where there's no fans 
in stadiums. I think they're still going to find a way to make sure that maybe it's half capacity, but people are still able to watch the games. Well, two things. How would you how would you decipher who's going to be a part of that half <laughs> at somewhere like a Florida? Um, my guess is going to be boosters. <laughs> like, how much money did you give? Right? Yeah. How much money did you really? Okay, pay? you come in first, and then now everybody else and your family, right? Like, we're not letting your cousins in, but your mom and dad can come. Yeah, I imagine <laughs> that. So, and the other thing is, just, like, let's be real, okay? Co- when college, you know, campuses open back up, and everybody's like, you know, what the first week or two is like in college. Everybody's happy to see each other. There's either going to be a house party, a campus party or something. So, I mean, it's going to, I think that's the real challenge in not only uh, college sports, but professional sports as well. Like, you know, the NBA is talking about the bubble. Well, after a while, after two weeks, after a month of being in the bubble, people start going crazy. They need to step out. They need to breathe. And what does that look like? And, And you're talking about younger guys needing to, be a young guy, be a young, you know, millionaire, if you would. So um, that's 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 really the challenge, I think, in all sports right now. So what are your thoughts? Because you're in the middle of it, of the season being resumed and how and what that looks like from what we are currently hearing or know about going to Orlando I, and having all the teams there. I can't imagine um, how, how you, you make that happen. Um, I think the onus would be on the teams to kind of police their their players. Because, I mean, it's a, it's a lot on the plate of the NBA already. Um, but I don't, I'm don't. i glad I'm not having to sit at that table to make that decision because it's like, all right, as soon as you make, you figure one thing out, there's another little nuance or there's a this small little piece that really matters to a small percentage of people, but it's still important that you have to implement into that decision as well. So, you know, like I understand they said like, okay, they're allowing a few uh, of your relatives or close to you. Well, for some people, you may have a mom, dad and one brother, but there's other people who may have mom, dad and four or five siblings. So how do you say you can only bring one or two or, you know, your children, you you can't bring all three of them, but you can only bring one. Like that's those things like that. It's going to be, it's going to be a little touchy. Yeah, it'll be nuanced for sure. I can't imagine. So Maria, I want to know, so you, I would say, have what I would say is my dream job. A lot of, you know, up and coming reporters want to do what you do, but you're so young. You're in your early 30s. What is your like end goal or your dream job? You have the job that I dreamed of my whole life, to be honest. I um, interned at Fox Sports South when I was coming up and like, all I wanted to do was be like a Hawks reporter. Um, at the time they had some SEC, like an SEC daily show. And I mean, I remember at the time I was just like running tapes to them and like showing up at Hawks game and kind of helping in a pre and post game show and doing some rave stuff. And I just remember, I was like, that's because Atlanta's my home and that's what I wanted to be a part of. And now that I'm with ESPN, I don't know, like in a lot of ways, I'm doing exactly what I want. Like, my favorite thing on earth to do is the NCAA women's basketball tournament. I think it's the hardest thing that I do, but it brings me the most joy. You know, I played women's basketball. I think it's important that like we celebrate them and we, you know, we've had great tournaments the last three years and it's just so much fun to be there from beginning to end. And I used to always say that all I want to do is maybe go to good morning America or be like Robin Roberts. Like I try to follow in her footsteps in every single thing that I do. And now I'm just like, well, maybe I really want to like start directing things or try to learn, get into the 30 for 30 mode. And maybe I need to be shadowing people and thinking of getting into content creation. Cause I think that's so key and so important that 
the people that are behind the cameras are diverse, um, that have different backgrounds. And so what can I do to like implant myself there, but still be working, you know, in front of the camera. So I don't really know what the future looks like, but as far as like what I'm doing at ESPN, like it's, ev- I'm doing everything I've ever wanted to do. Like I said, I've never wanted to necessarily host sports center. I'll be on a daily show. It's like, I want to be around live events, the sports that I love are basketball and football. And I get to do both of them. Like, I have no complaints. I can't believe that I get to do what I do every day when I wake up. And did you like grow up in all these sports or did you kind of have to learn any of them? I know you played volleyball and basketball, but I guess like football, did you grow up in it or did you have to teach yourself when you were growing up? I didn't know. I was like four downs for what? Like, what are we doing? (laughs) 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 I remember my best friend, her dad was an assistant coach at Notre Dame and she was like trying to explain folks. So you basically get four downs to go 10 yards. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't want to know it. I don't care. I'm not trying to watch it. And then I went to school at Georgia and it was like everything revolved around this game. Okay. Yeah. Like whether or yeah. not people are going to be happy on Wednesday depends on how they play on Saturday. And so you start to get involved and your friends become, you know, the players and the athletes. So, but I came up doing high school football in Georgia and, you know, I was really tied to that. And then what happens is those same players, because a lot of them were elite, they would be going to the Tennessees and the Georgias and the Vanderbilts and whatever. So it became like almost like a labor of love to stay in football and be able to see, okay, where are their careers going? And now I can say that at you know every level, it's like, Oh, it's so cool to be there when they're freshmen and see them when they're juniors and see them like when they're at the draft and you're following all these amazing stories. So that's the thing that keeps me in it. But yeah, girl, I didn't know anything about football. I used to like have to go and watch game film with our analysts. Like what are they, but I don't get it. Why the flag? <laughs> it's crazy real quick that you had that you say you know you watch them as freshmen and then see them as juniors because not many of them right now making it to the senior year anymore <laughs> that's, so and true. that's that's crazy that is so true it's almost like i mean if you make it to your senior are you going what's gonna happen right it's <laughs> now like what's wrong with them you know what's wrong with them welcome to the league So Maria, we have a segment on our show called Welcome to the League, where our guest tells us when they realize that they made it. Um, We like to hear preferably a good and a bad story, like embarrassing and really exciting if you have two. But when you realize uh, like, whoa, I'm really here and this is awkward or this is awesome. (laughs) Ooh, so many. Um, Okay. Well, tell us the first one. Okay, the first like, one, which like, is, okay, this and it involves a basketball player at a college football game. So let's let's have our worlds collide for a second. Oh, wow. I'm at the LSU Texas A&M game. It's in Baton Rouge, and Shaq is on the sidelines. And of course, my producer's like, "Hey, can you get an interview with Shaq?" And I'm like asking the people around, like, "Hey, do you guys think Shaq will do an interview?" I'm asking the LSU people, and they're like, "Well, you don't really want to. I don't think he's interested in it or whatever." And I'm like, "As a reporter, I'm going to have to go up there and ask him if he'll do an interview." So I finally did. I've never met him before. I was like, hey, Shaq, you willing to do an interview with SEC Network? We're not even ESPN. We are SEC Network, okay? Like, we are a regionalized television network. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll do it. It's fine. <laughs> That's how he sounds. Oh, I know. And then um, I'm doing the interview. We're asking questions about that was the year that they were thinking about firing Les Miles. He was super honest about he wasn't happy with the way his school was handling it and that they should be transparent, blah, blah, blah. So it ended up being a good clip. But then at the end of the interview, he was like, by the way, I think you do a good job. And I was like, you know that I, I work in TV. <laughs> like that was a moment where I was like, that's Shaq. And he recognizes that I'm, I do TV and he even gave me a compliment. You know what I mean? And that's why he was like throwing it back up to Brent Musburger, Jesse Palmer up there. And I was like, sometimes it just feels good to be validated in some way. I've had yeah. Chuck do that a couple of times. Like literally I've been on the show 
Carlby and get up and I'm not interviewing him at all. And he's like, by the way, Tom Marie's doing a good job. And I'm just like, I appreciate you guys for doing that sometimes. Cause it means more if your bosses or someone else hears that than when like, right. I can't validate myself, but sometimes right. it's good to hear that. For sure. And then the opposite side of that is one of the ones where I had no clue what was happening. So I'm at a, I want to say it was a Texas tech uh, football game. And I think that I'm running up to their head coach, but it was not, it was his brother who looks just like him. And I grab him and I'm like, you ready for the interview? He's like, I'm not, I'm not the coach. You know what I mean? I'm like, Oh snap. And like cameras caught me doing it. We didn't get a halftime interview because of it. This is my first season too. And I was like, never again. Will I not have like a picture of the coach? I don't care how many times I've done the game. Well, I not have a picture of the coach on my uh, clipboard. So now I do all the coaches. I do all the coaches, like all the medical staff. I have the entire clipboard of our or like photos of the entire yes. staff on my board. So good, bad, ugly. Oh man. Isn't it funny how that happens though? Like sometimes it, like you said, they look a lot alike. Sometimes it would be like two people that don't even look alike, but then you start to panic and you're like, wait, no, I swear he looks like this. Like, I don't know. And then and you start to freak out. Running. There's so much they have hats on. Like, oh, right. they're all wearing the same things. Like, but they're you looking the other way when you need him to look this way. Like that's no, that's, that might be him. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just feel so dumb. You feel so dumb. So wow. that's what it is. <laughs> so before we close, I feel like it would be a miss to not talk about what's going on in our country right now with racism and the death of George Floyd. And I feel like, you know, as a very small journalist, public figure, I need to use my voice to spread awareness around this and would love to get, you know, some kind of a comment or anything from you guys on what we can do to give back and help continue to spread awareness and stop this kind of, you know, systemic racism in our country right now. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing it up, Andy, because um, honestly, we just got off of NBA Countdown and we, we ended our show with this topic. And I remember when I was hearing about the Ahmad Aubrey murder and thinking to myself, like, that could have easily been my brother who is six, seven, and apparently as a black man that's doing anything could be considered a criminal just for running or moving in a way that seems hostile to someone else. And this reminder that, you know, we've all been saying COVID is making us all one and it's one threat that we all have to attack. And then now we're constantly having these reminders that uh-uh, we're still different and we're fighting, you know, another type of injustice that for some reason we don't attack it with the same vigilance that we do the pandemic that is COVID. And it's been sad. I mean, it's certainly been hard, but what I hope is, and what I keep saying out loud is that I want the same energy that people take into stadiums and arenas to praise and put African-American athletes on a pedestal and the love that they bring to games to be the same, you know, enthusiasm they have when they meet someone that is not the same color as them. Like don't immediately assume that they're a hostile or that they are a threat. Like for a second, think about, would you feel the same way if LeBron James was across the street? Are you going to have the same reaction if you saw him running? You know what I mean? Like at some point we, we have to find ways to find our commonality and we've lost that along the way. And it's sad to see it continue like happen over and over again. Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, you know, and I even watching the Amy Cooper call, it's like a cop could have showed up and been like, you know what? He is a threat and now you're dead. And we've seen that happen before. So it's been interesting to see these things kind of reveal themselves, but I'm almost like, you know what? I hope what comes out of this is legislation. I hope we find ways to make a difference. And we continue to hear people. I heard Ryan Saunders was having a conversation. He was like, silence 
can be deafening, especially when you should be speaking out of these things. And so, and you know, that's Minnesota's head coach. And it's going to take a white male having a conversation like that and informing people that look like him that, Hey, this is not okay. And here's why. And let's open up some of those pathways to conversation. And that's kind of where I was going to go with that as far as just, it should, I mean, obviously the voice of the African American and the black people, uh, of course, should speak out, but I think it's the voice of all races. And you you share your thoughts on it, and you know, you know we try, we try to come to a common ground to, f- to figure this out. I know that's not going to happen right now, but we have to start somewhere, and and it's important for us to understand. Like we as black people, we're using our voice, but we have to be smart about how we handle this situation, you know. And we we still need to be thorough and firm, and we have to to love on each other a little more, if you know what I mean. And and, and because we can't we can't go after this and, and, and then go after each other as well. And I hope this is started going to start to, to change the curve a little bit. And now we stand, we stand for each other. We stand with each, each other each and every time at all times, because if not, like I tell you, sometimes, you know, in, in my own yard during these times, sometimes you'll see a cop come by. It's kind of like, all right, you know, I'm chill, make them know, like, I'm not a threat. I'm over here just chilling. You know, it's just, it's one of those things now. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to, to, to be that way. And, and, and to be honest with you, like you said, if, if it's LeBron James walking by, like, you know, or, or any athlete that you, you know, that you can recognize right off top, you know, in my mind, I, you don't know that because sometimes it can be too late by the time they recognize who you are. Cause, because some of these guys are reacting and shooting first, whether it's a cop, whether it's a, a random human being. So it's just like, you never know. And it's just, it's just, I could say so much to this, but it's just like right now, I just I just hope that, you know, first and foremost, you know, justice is, is served for his family, however that is. And, and and we do right by them first. And then we fix this problem. We slow it's so it's a, it's slowly but surely going to happen. But we just need to fix the problem. And that's, you know, colleagues of these officers, you know, need to, to, to turn and say, no, you know what? That's not right. I don't care if you're black, white or other. You're wrong is wrong. Right is right. And I think we, you know, that's, that's not the case, which you kind of echoed earlier. And I'm just kind of reiterating, it's not the case. And I think that's the problem. I could go on and on about it, but like, I'll just say this is if you see, we see, we've seen videos of, of white suspects, if you would act, you know, say what they want, fight back at the police. And it's kind of like, all right, I'm going to give you a chance to calm down before I taser you. Or they have the opportunity to get in their car and speed off. You don't see that on the other foot. So things like that, it just, it just, it, I mean, and, and the crazy thing is it, they're, they're doing it on camera. They're doing it on camera. So it's no, it's no hesitation. It's not like, oh, shoot, this, everybody in the world is going to see this. No, he looks right in the camera and continue the act. So it's just, it's just different now. We got to figure this out. And I, I don't know how, you know, where we go from here, but we need to get it figured out. And it's sad that we feel too. And I'll just say like, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, well, this is, it's never going to get fixed. Like we're always going to feel threatened um, and they're going to feel threatened and no one's going to ever come together and figure out a way to solve this. And it doesn't matter how many videotapes you have of anything. No one's ever going to get prosecuted because as of today, I've yet to see that happen. So it'll be interesting if we ever, a case comes through or like you said, like what you said, Vince, it's like, it's about justice at this point. It's like, yes, if I didn't have a gun and I was running and you killed me and there's, video proof of it, then shouldn't you go to jail? Like, that's my only point question. Point blank. 
point blank. That's it should, it. That's, it should, what is there to talk about? What is So I don't know what else we are talking about or having to protest for. And so once we get to that point where we know, like, okay, but at least justice will be served. Racism will exist and, and people will make bad decisions. But when they do, they will face the full arm, exactly a penalty for it. And I just don't think we're there yet. And, and, and I, th- I think the frustration, guys, for for from, you know, the black culture, the black race is that particularly black men, uh, every morning when we wake up, you're you're going outside to be on the defense. Point blank. And it's you you know that's the case. But how do you 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 it's like, all right, <laughs> um, um how do you prepare for that? You know, you're on the defense every day, and then you looked at like whatever you looked at, but I have to be. <laughs> You know, it, it just it's just the way it is. Like I have to be on the defense so I make it home tonight. You know, so it's just it, after a while you get tired of it. You know, when it's like you, everybody, and I know I'm saying this, and this is just not a shot in hell when I say it, but it, we all want to be on the plane, the same playing field when it comes to just injustice, just living a normal life, which is is never the case. And you know, I hope I'm alive to see the day, honestly. You know, it just—I think the world will be a better place in general. You know, I re, you respect my space. I respect your space. When you're wrong, you're wrong. When you're right, you're right. I don't care what you look like. And for me, obviously, as a white woman, a privilege that I'll never know what it's like to be African American, and I'll never know what it's like to you know be living in that kind of fear. But I try to do what I can personally to educate my family and my followers on social media and my neighbors. You know, to try to stop this problem or, you know, whenever it is that I have kids to make sure that this does not continue in families that I'm aware of. Like you said, Maria, hopefully this provides an opportunity for our justice system to prove that we won't stand for this anymore. And hopefully it will be a step in the right direction. I just hope one day they can admit that the system is broken. Yeah. that's Sometimes you just want that. That's it. And start from there. And then now how do we handle this broken system? Now that we're all in agreement to on right. that on that level, how do we fix this now? Let's we hear you speak your piece. Let us speak our piece, and let's go from there. You know, because and we're going to hurt some feelings. But at this point, I don't think we care about whose feelings we're hurting. You know, what I'm saying, but like, hear us out, and you know, we'll try to hear you out. Honestly. On that note, um, just to bring it around, I think that's a wrap, Vince. Unless you have anything else for Maria. All good. That was great. Thank you so much. Um, unfortunately, we had to end on that heavy note, but thank you so much for your time, for using your voice, you know, to spread awareness and for just hanging out with us for the night. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And can I just say, guys, the fact that we are all in Atlanta right now, this is the first time that we're all talking. It's like, that's a problem. So let's right? just work on it post pandemic. Yes. <laughs> if we have I to go to a golf course, me and Annie can do it. Okay. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, I'm easy to find these days. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maria, Not I always sure. said I'll I'll be the cart girl. I'll make the drinks. I can't play golf, so, but I'll make the I'll drinks. Drink the drinks, you know what I mean. Perfect. So like, I think Done. we got a good plan. We got a hey. working perfect relationship. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll 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 play golf, and we'll have Ugh. a good time. It works <laughs> you for me. will play golf. <laughs> And thank you guys so much for listening to another edition of the Winging It podcast featuring head coach Lloyd Pierce and Maria Taylor. Thank you guys again for listening. Don't forget to give us five stars. Five stars. Vince is saying five stars. Leave us a review and let us know who you want to hear from next. We will talk to you next time. We out.